0: Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And And everything's coming up Simpsons. Simpsons.
1: This episode is brought to you by, wow, we are brought to you by so many, I want to say, print media Ooh. is not dead. It oh. is alive and well Great. on the Everything's Coming Up Simpsons podcast. We are brought to you by Modern Sandcastle Magazine. Oh. Ooh, ah. I know who will like that. Mm-hmm. I also know who will like uh, Bad Boys Life Magazine. Is it Bart? It is Bart. <laughs> um, Homer's son. Uh, we are also, I don't know why I wrote this, but sure, go for it, Julia. Um, <laughs> wrote it? You mean received it? <laughs> (laughs) Received it, yes. Uh, Sunscreen SPF 1000. I thought that was worthy of being uh, one of our sponsors today. Was it
0: really a thousand?
1: It was a thousand. That was the the
0: joke, baby. It was a a joke about a baby. Yes, it was. Good morning. Good
1: good morning. Um, If you're listening, then you, of course, already know the episode of The Simpsons that we're talking about, because these are all household references um, that we regard every day. Of our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are talking about the episode A Star is Born Again. This is the 13th episode of the 14th season. It originally aired on March 2nd, 2003. It was written by friend of the podcast. You know him from the Surfson's episode. Um, Brian Kelly, who also wrote that episode. It was directed by Michael Markentel.
0: Ooh, la, la. and the showrunner at the time was Al Jean. Heard of him? Heard of him? March second was my birthday. I turned twelve on this day. Oh! I was probably at Rainforest Cafe and then wa- watched the episode right after. Wow! What yeah. a day! <laughs> that's amazing. That's what I do every uh, day, but it was uh, special for me because you know you
1: got a volcano. <laughs> like I got a volcano a lava, lava cake brownie, yeah. <laughs> lava cake. Can I tell you really quick before we intro our guest? Yeah. Um I used to work at the Rainforest Cafe. Still I don't know blown if away by it, yeah, I don't know i <laughs> right it It truly was um, you know, just the epitome of a childhood dream come to life um it was at the downtown Disney location, which is
0: no longer
1: It is just no longer Western um Beavis. but that I think plussed up what was already pretty great uh, about it um did not work as a server though, worked in the gift shop, so um if you are asking, I'm ready to answer, yes, I did sell. A um I want to say a frog stuffed animal to Kelsey Grammer. Oh once. my god. Yeah, I know. I know. Our <laughs> guest is just just ready surrendering to uh the glory of this. So I'm with you, Alia. Yeah. I got to live that dream. Let's just jump right in. Yes, please. I'm so excited um to have our guest on today and to talk about this episode. You know him as a writer on Billy on the Street and also Netflix's Big Mouth, which the second season is set to premiere um like tomorrow. Yeah, I think
2: officially at midnight. Midnight. While we Tonight? The night we're recording. So yeah. when you're listening mm. to this, it is out. Mm-hmm.
1: And you also that voice that you listeners heard that I've yet to introduce. You've also uh, recorded and released a stand-up comedy album called Model Minority. Please welcome Joel Kim Booster. Hello.
2: Hi. Allie, we, your birthday is two days after mine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. I'm a little leap year baby. You're
1: March zero.
2: Yeah. No, You're a February leap year baby? <laughs> yeah. You're the
1: second leap year baby I know. Really? Yeah. Um, I have a friend, my friend Erin Pierce, um, who's been on this podcast. She is technically five, I want to say.
2: Oh, she's younger than I am. <laughs> I'm yeah. seven and a half.
1: Uh, what's it <laughs> like?
2: Um, it is very it fun. Like? Um, I love it, it. Really, my my sole source of joy in the world is being a martyr. And every year on uh-huh. uh, non-Leap Year uh, years, I get to be a birthday martyr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just what celebrate that entail- the whole week. Just oh, make, I
0: do that and I don't even have Just make that.
2: everyone just feel bad because they don't have a real day. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, listen, celebrate me even longer. In
1: this world... It's really hard out there, you guys. I don't oh, know yeah. if you've heard. I mean, we need breaks where we can take yes. them. Okay. I was mm-hmm. telling
2: Juliet before the show. I always have a big uh, gay birthday every year that where I just rent a house and only gay men are allowed, and it's <laughs> honestly become kind of a nightmare for me. Right. You know, but-
0: <laughs> But it's, a tradition. but it's a
2: tradition. So I have to do it. <laughs> uh, important. Year. What
1: is the din of chatter like? What is the ambiance at an only gay men birthday
2: party? Um, it's just a lot of screaming about uh-huh. like uh, 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 Carrie Coon. You know, <laughs> uh, like that's what like are my birthday party. The difference is, it's like who like, cha- talking about the the did Carrie Coon ruin Vera Farmiga's career? Right. You know, I want to know um, all about that. That's also that is literally something I would have pitched to Billy on the street. <laughs>
1: Yes, I, I'm with you. Uh, not to, we're going to get to this episode, but I want to say that um, I just had the amazing experience of reading that. Uh, new, did you read the New Yorker profile on Carrie Coon oh, that just yes. came out? Oh, I read yes. that in line because I just came back from a vacation in Orlando. In line for the Avatar ride Oof. in Orlando, I was like, uh, just completely ignoring my family and my husband and going, I really need to just. You kind
2: dive about in. And
0: Carrie Coon and Tracy Coon, Litt, yeah. who I did not know, were married until power this couple. article. Steppenwolf so, <laughs>
2: Power couple. Thank and now, you. now.
0: Now, I know because I didn't know who Carrie Coon was, and I looked her up, and then it uh, tells me on the little Wikipedia thing, Fargo. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and she's great.
2: Fargo. The Leftovers is where I, I really fell yeah. in love. Um, Fargo is
0: when I fell in love.
1: But now she, want, I, she wants me. She is the reason why I will now watch The Leftovers.
2: The, yeah. the, the Leftovers is um, hard to watch, but I think one of the best television shows That is literally what everyone yeah. says.
0: I <laughs> think The Simpsons is one of the best shows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I hear you. Go on. I actually, wouldn't it be so funny if, well, actually, no, this is actually a reality. I was going to say, wouldn't it be so funny if I did that in real life? But I do. Yeah. <laughs> People will just be trying to enjoy a lovely conversation about something that isn't The Simpsons and I hijack it but they're like, like Bart's cool they're I'm just like, like
1: stop please we're at church and yeah. we're talking about the Bible
0: <laughs> I burst into churches <laughs> to talk about hey this episode actually features religion and the Bible yeah. quite heavily which
2: I didn't really I guess I should have known it's it's ironic that it, so I picked this I was telling, uh, saying earlier because I am seeing A Star is Born Tonight and, yes. <laughs> um, and I so and I, I was like this is fate uh, I have to pick this one because I, I have to tell you I don't really have a lot of Simpsons background because I grew up in such a religious born-again home. Wow, mm born-again. And they were very... Anti, sort of off and on anti-Simpsons, because I have seen, I do have specific memories of very specific moments in Simpsons histories. Like I remember when they went to Australia and there was some sort of cross-pollination with two creatures in a koala's sack. (laughs) I remember that very distinctly for some reason. I remember when Marge protested some whorehouse. Yes. Yes. Um, And I remember a lot of the, the treehouse of terrors or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. horrors. Same thing, more or Mm -hmm. less. Um, But my parents were very um, not... Into The Simpsons, and I always felt very like left out. And we, my brother and I, would watch it very much in secret, with you know the old trick of of going to a very uh, a good channel and then going to the channel you wanted to watch, and then <laughs> yeah. having your oh, but, your yeah. finger hovering over oh, the yeah. last button oh, on the remote they control. Oh, kids don't have that today. Yeah, they don't have to do no. that. Not and to be an old
1: crank about it, but they just <laughs> click to another tab on their Safari.
2: My mm-hmm. parents were so keyed into it and so mad at us for doing it so often that they actually there was a time in my life many years of my life where we didn't have a remote control wow they kept it in their room and would bring it out like for family viewings of television but if my brother or my sister or I were watching television and so then I got real good at holding my toe over the <laughs> physical channel up or down button in front of the TV and just like casually laying in front of the TV to watch they the shows that I wanted to watch. inadvertently
1: teaching you to be craftier, more
0: creative. And just
2: a bedrock of lies is my relationship <laughs> with my parents now.
0: Uh, so, so when did you, uh, or, or kind of what is your relationship with the show? You said that, you know, you didn't grow up watching it, um, but this episode, when did you, did you remember watching it maybe in 2003 around that time? No. So, when did you get into
2: it? 2003. You know, this is the weird thing that I cannot explain um, to anyone. And everyone is always so aghast when I say this. At a certain point, my brother and I, when we were like later on in our teenage years and sort of uh, they got a little bit more lax about like monitoring us. Um, we, w- I think I've seen every episode of Futurama.
0: Futurama is Ooh. excellent. and I
2: And I love Futurama. And we would watch that. Um, together, uh, but I never returned to The Simpsons and I don't really, I can't explain why because then I remember... Um, we also were, my brother and I were uh, big Family Guy heads mm-hmm. at a certain I point. Was, I
0: absolutely was when it first and, came out. Yeah. I loved it.
2: It's her. sort of, I rem- I still remember the exact episode that of Family Guy where I decided it was unwatchable now. Which <laughs> it did hit a point um, at
0: one point. And yeah. I, I will
2: very quickly say though, I think American Dad is amazing. And I think that people people need to start from like season three and give it a chance because I don't understand how it came from the same brain of the people who created the You're not the, the first
1: person guy. that said that to me. And and, and people that say that, and I'm thinking of just, like, one other person. but
2: they're, they're, there's like that?
1: It's Simon Ore actually. Oh, um, yeah, fan of the is, podcast. Yeah. Him. Uh, previous guest. But, like, there's a spark that ignites in their eyes. Because also my husband, Mike, um, he worked on that as well. And I remember him telling me that, too. Like, hey, say what you want about Family Guy and the way it is now. Say what you want about the Cleveland show. Um, but American Dad is doing something that is, like, because yeah. I think not as many eyeballs are on it. So they're kind of able to get yeah, away with Yeah, they're more. doing
2: weirder stuff. stuff. Stuff with like serialization. Like, there are stakes in American Dad where none exist in Family Guy. Like, if a character dies in American Dad, they stay dead. Wow. In a. a way that I, I think is sort of a revolutionary for a cartoon. I think know?
1: so too. Um, Rick and Morty has done that a little yeah. bit with mm-hmm. um, The Divorce. Uh, yes. Spoiler, yeah. sorry guys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I find that to be because there is the resetting that we see, especially with shows like The Simpsons, um, even though there are storylines that kind of like run through, but it's just not seen. And I think because American Dad doesn't have that big uh, of an audience right now as much as Family Guy, it's sort of like early Family Guy, you know, when the time when Family Guy was originally cancelled I think that we all thought of it as the underdog and were yeah. like, hey, give this show a chance mm-hmm. and now it's just far past that so they're able to do, you know, more of that with other shows.
0: Yeah, absolutely and and to the point of uh, things resetting, something interesting about this episode is it does very much take place at a certain time in the show Yeah, because you have some characters, this episode couldn't exist without the death of Maud. So Maud's death is actually the I stopped watching when that character died because I thought it was such an interesting choice that kind of felt like, you know, like when they killed off chef or like, you know, when they did like really like big statement deaths. It felt a little, it was controversial. It was something that it's in. How did she die? A t-shirt cannon <laughs> at like a NASCAR type event. Wow. And she was like a very good. That's so she dark. Could be, she could be irritable, but she was like, because she was like, a, you know, like a churchy gossip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she was like a pretty lovable, lo- like lovely lady. And they kind of killed her just to kind of, it seemed at the time that they got, like they did this as a stunt. Right. And it kind of just didn't feel loving of the characters because they weren't really doing it. Like, it, you know, it didn't really feel like. I don't know. Is this pre
2: or post Mr. Burns being murdered?
0: Uh, Post. Post. Oh, you
1: mean who shot Mr. Burns? Yeah.
2: Oh, Oh. did he not get murdered? (laughs) Sorry. He just got shot. He just got shot. Okay. okay, okay. I was
1: so prepared to (laughs) be like, I guess I know nothing. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it was post. But I agree with you, uh, Allie. I think that it was, you know, I can't speak for uh, what the actual intent in the writer's room was. I was not there, but it kind of felt like this was around the time. What is it? So... Um, the fourteenth season, which is already like a huge feat for a TV show. No. Now they've just premiered the thirtieth season, so they had no idea that they were less than halfway there. Um, but I think that when Maude was killed off, it was like, ah, gosh, like we're really, you know, running out of steam. Maybe a little bit. Uh, we're not getting, you know, the kind of eyeballs that we used to, and we have to do something that's going to be like the Sunday night stunt that Fox could just promote the shit out of, you know, ad nauseum.
0: But then it did lead to episodes like this, where because of something that even if I didn't like at the time, they are able to twist it in a way and and make something really like cool and interesting come out of it. Yeah. And it is one of the rare episodes where you do need to kind of know that that happened. And the fact that you love this episode and that you picked it and didn't know about MOD only speaks to how strong well, uh, this is because I you didn't need to know I that you got it.
2: Loved this episode.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that might be. We'll get into it. We'll
2: get into it yeah. But.
1: I like, though, before we dive into to all that kind of stuff, I do like um, how Flanders is sort of actualized in this episode and is able to, you know, sort of be given um, his day in the sun in ways that he's not normally in Simpsons episodes. You know, he's usually relegated to some sort of punchline or side character. And he's given the full stage in this.
2: Yeah. I, I you know, it's so weird because I was watching this episode and I was trying to think of how my parents would have reacted to this episode as like christians as like mm-hmm. born mm-hmm. agains, and i think they would have hated this episode especially it's the most because...
0: problematic of any episode i've seen in a long time really also in like, what way well i don't know how your parents i don't know where your parents land on most things i know that when i think of people that are religious i often do associate it with the ned flanders types who do have a like they make homophobic jokes or they say things that are like mm. just kind of like you just don't get it or like you're right. dated he mentioned like you know they're Republican he's clearly Republican they talk about the 2002 election but right um, just like her dress the level of sex like it's very yeah. it's very well I there. think they
2: would have hated that he ends up actually sleeping with her yeah. yeah like I think they would have liked the resistance and then like um, I think they uh, they definitely would have seen it as a cop out that he was like you yeah, get a taste um, yeah,
1: yeah it, I, I will say that that line didn't really feel like within his character that it was more of servicing the joke than servicing the character's yeah. POV
2: yeah Also, I had no idea I was a little turned on. He's by. very ripped. I had no idea. You were turn, turned on. I did not know that his body was that. And I was like, maybe it's just been a minute. Or I was like, no, L.A. is very lonely, you guys. A L.A. is very lonely. It had been literally two I, days when yeah, I watched this it's episode. It's been a, but... a
1: long time since that 80 gay man yeah. house that you rented. <laughs> I understand.
0: I, I totally hear you, though, because when he first takes his shirt off in a streetcar named Marge, where they're doing like a rendition of that play, Streetcar Named Desire, you see him take a shirt off for the first time, and you're just like, what? Because <laughs> you would know. never know. I like
2: that choice though. I it's really great. do like that choice for yeah. that character.
0: Um, it balances
1: out his other cheesier like qualities and in, in the downtrodden aspects of his
0: life. Yeah. So let's get the synopsis and then afterwards, I'd really like to hear why you picked this episode in particular and like what it means to you. Alright. So we like to read our synopsis
1: ice cold from <laughs> Wikipedia. So it could be good, could be bad. Let's go. The episode Owes much of its plot to Notting Hill. <laughs> oh. While that film is, sh- is about an actress uh, finding happiness with the owner of an independent bookstore, the Simpsons episode features Hollywood movie star Sarah Sloan, played by Marissa Tomei, falling for net flanders after visiting the leftorium. Uh, the episode title is a reference to being born again, meaning a person who is converted to a personal faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. For salvation <laughs> for is salvation like the most unnecessary important. part of that sentence. Weird
2: that they wouldn't reference a star is born. Right. Too, no, in the, in the, like, it's a double <laughs> reference there yeah. that you're getting. Um,
1: well, you know what? Let's reflect on that mistake over a brief break. <laughs>
2: Welcome, everyone, to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles.
1: So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying
2: the competition.
1: Isn't there anyone who can
2: save us from this travesty?
1: Wait, could it be?
2: It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling
1: podcast. Tights and Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling. And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex.
0: What a match. And the Tights and Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Please, these hosts have families. Ties
2: and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites.
0: What a good break. What a great break. I loved it. So what about this episode? Why did it speak to you? You hinted that maybe you don't love this episode. Um.
2: Well, no. So again, I haven't. Watched a ton of The Simpsons, and I couldn't piece together um, which uh, scenes from which episodes I had remembered watching um, Mm -hmm. from the truly enormous list of episodes that you. I couldn't believe. I guess I sort of knew in the back of my head that The Simpsons had been on forever, and that like truly the Church of Scientology will be stay open forever because of yearly Smith's contributions (laughs) to it. But I. I, uh, I was so so I was like poking around, and I obviously I knew I was seeing a Star is Born, and so that sort of piqued my interest. And then reading the synopsis, I will say two things that drew me to this episode at going in sort of blind was um, a the sort of born again. I figured I you know because you know I talked a lot about my upbringing, and I was sort of like oh I want to see like what their take on this character that I knew sort of vaguely about Ned Flanders being a Christian and what that take would be, and then also. Marissa Tomei. Oh, a man. big Marissa they Tomei. Love
1: and the Marissa Tomei, Lady Gaga connection, I feel, is very strong. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. They're, well, they're very similar. I don't yeah. know if I'm revealing Stephanie a part of Stephanie Germanotta
2: about... and Marissa yeah, are very they're... similar. I don't know about Lady Gaga. No, no, no. no you're right you're, Marissa, right, you're right. You're right. Uh... I just know
1: one <laughs> anecdote that I think I saw on, it, it couldn't have been Biography, that show, because it hasn't been on in ages, <laughs> um, but it was like a biography-esque kind of magazine program, um, but uh, Lady Gaga was talking about how she went to like some fame type school for maybe high school or something and had a teacher that said like you know if you want to be an actress i'm sorry to tell you but you're just not gonna make it probably i'm i'm like being kind to you and being honest and and that you're just not fitting the kind of like leading lady types that you're going for and i just remember lady gaga in this like you know biography show going and all i said to her was What about Marissa Tomei? (laughs) That's like the one quote from that made me go like, you know, I like Lady Gaga now. Oh, I love her. Yeah, but I find them to be very similar. I see that energy. I never thought about that before, but I
2: definitely see that. Yeah, and she needs a oh god, give Marissa Tomei a resurgence. I think like the last thing I saw her in was like the. Um, The Big Short, playing was, Steve oh, Carell's yeah. wife, and just like those are the roles that she's getting, and it's infuriating. Oh, mm-hmm. and May, obviously, in the new yeah. Spider-Man films, which yeah. is insane. Do like, you, I
1: mean, this is like um, several years old, but Crazy Stupid Love.
2: Oh yeah, she saw that too. in that. Yeah, movie. she was great she in was that so movie. Great. Um, she's so she's just so good, mm-hmm. and the fact that there are no apparently roles being written for women of her age in Hollywood, right, right. and when they are, Jennifer Lawrence's. Taking them and it's just um, it'll it is... just be
1: Marissa Tomei and Catherine Keener like, yeah. fighting to the death. Um, but she, her voice acting in this episode, it's not Marissa Tomei yeah, no, with a capital M. It's, I was didn't very, recognize like, it at hard, yeah. all. I sort of
2: had to look back and I was like, "Whoa, wait, wait, is she this character in it?" I was like, "Is there another character that is Marissa Tomei?" Because I was so confused. But right, she's um, kind of
1: doing this like affect of a ditzy Hollywood style. Yeah, line. yeah.
2: I guess like. the thing that I didn't remember about The Simpsons that was so jarring for me watching this was how the structure of the episode I found to be so all over the place Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, it didn't feel like sort of It just felt so rushed. Like, I knew that these episodes were 20 minutes long or so, or, you know, 22 minutes long or whatever, but it just felt like there was so much to do in so little time. And I think especially her character gets the short shrift in this. Like, I do not understand what is motivating her really at all. And I think what I was missing, if I had thought about it or knew about it, was the Notting Hill connection. I think if I had thought about Notting Hill a little bit more, I would have filled in some of those gaps mm-hmm. um, well, more could, readily. It,
1: I bet that was fresher on the viewers minds when this originally came out (laughs) it was uh, it remains to be my stepmom Lori's favorite movie of all time it's a great film (laughs) I've
2: still
0: never seen it
1: oh Oh, check it out it's worth an airplane watch it is waiting for you in the classic section on American Airlines Um, yeah well I mean every Simpsons episode uh, begins with and they've kind of made this their trademark of the like first act or at least like the first five minutes are drastically different than the rest for the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, you would almost have to second guess or check like which episode is this I thought I was watching the Notting Hill episode right. or whatever. Um but it starts with them going to the beach and they've invented some fun um, you know, fake Springfield holidays that we've never heard of before about, you know, red jellyfish returning and that everybody is sort of treating it like we always do this every year. We slow dance at the yeah. red jellyfish <laughs> festival and that it's just this really long road to set up um, that Flanders is the a widower lonely. and is yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, I,
0: there could have been a much faster way in. Oh, my God. In. However, a lot of times, you know, the show needs to tie it... I mean, it does kind of need to just tie it back into the family. Yeah. And that was the only way that they could think of how to do that. That, mm-hmm. that I great. think, was
2: my mistake in picking this episode, too, is that I think I should... I think this is an outlier in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. so I yes. think this... Because here's... I'll say it. I... This episode did not make me want to dive back into The Simpsons and watch oh, no. The Simpsons on the regular. Yeah. Because, and I think now as I'm talking about it, it's because. It is not a regular Simpsons episode. Like, we're not getting the family. Mm-hmm. We're not getting a lot of, like, um, you know, like, Homer is a, it, probably more. But I I think I probably always liked Marge the best. And connected
1: yeah, with we're big Marge fans the best. of Marge.
2: And she's very, she's not in this episode very mm-hmm. much at all. Um, and not yeah. in any sort of, uh, uh, you know solid way I guess and so yeah this didn't uh, yeah I, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry to come oh into the this apologize. box and oh, um I mean
0: I hate this episode and always have and it's um something that is always a challenge if a guest picks an episode that I don't like because mm-hmm. I'm definitely the annoying purist who's like I only like seasons 1 through 10 however re-watching it because I, I hated it as a child like I was 12 I remember watching it when it came out on my birthday and yeah. I did not like it. And I remember it being like, sad, like a sad birthday gift. <laughs> and because I think it was just kind of like this isn't just this just feels very different from the version that I remembered loving. I don't even remember. I mean, you're just a little kid. But like, right. but rewatching it again, I did find some good moments, which at least was kind of nice so that it was kind of like, OK, there there are still some jokes here. But like. If you are someone who, like, wants to kind of go back through The Simpsons, like, there are so many amazing episodes and it might be fun to kind of talk about, like, what happens in this episode that doesn't quite land for you and then be like, well, you know what? Like, they do it perfectly in this episode. I guess,
2: yeah, that was the thing that struck me the most is because growing up and having The Simpsons be this sort of sacred cow, like, off-limits thing because it was so edgy mm-hmm. and like the humor was so um too adult or too dirty or too like you know outrageous for my parents. And yeah. and I remember them being so shocked by it all the time. <laughs> and then seeing this episode, I guess like and also just as like a comedy person now. And I know that the writer of this episode it might be listening to the podcast. <laughs> and please understand that uh, there I will get to the the many jokes that I loved in this episode. <laughs> oh they're tubs, um, yeah. Yeah. But It didn't feel as like... I guess because, again, it's from 2003, so it's not going to feel like biting and current and like hard-hitting. But I was sort of... There was so there's a lot more broadness to it than yeah. I anticipated because I guess I had always been uh, the, the the sort of the mythology of Simpsons being like these Harvard like smart like cutting edge edgy comedy writers are always like passing through the Simpsons writers room and that's you know what I sort of was coming to and then you know it took a minute. Mm-hmm. For me to to lodge into that those jokes like the sunscreen joke and some of the visual right. gags were in, I was just sort of like oh this wasn't <laughs> I expected I guess I still wanted to be twelve years old and shocked. The, and right. like and of course that was never gonna happen for me but as a thirty-year-old I was
0: twelve years old when I watched this episode and I remember not liking it because it was just very different from how it was. Yeah. And at this time, Futurama was on the air. And like or like around this time, Futurama and other shows that The Simpsons, the original, like that core few years inspired, are on. So like it doesn't surprise me really that like you would like Futurama better when like at that time like it was doing The Simpsons better than The Simpsons was doing it. Right, right. The Simpsons has, like, had many ups and downs, in my opinion, and, and some people love this era of The Simpsons very much, and I think that's amazing and great. But it to me, these years are kind of weak, but they get they kind of find their footing again and make it more interesting and like do new things. And it's, it's really interesting, but, yeah. but yeah, so I, that, that this is definitely the first time we've had someone come on the show that didn't necessarily love the episode, but I do think that that's fun to talk about in its own way. I think so too. I, I and mean, we've uh,
1: talked about this previously, but I think that, um, you know, not to over romanticize what, you know, Allie and I personally deem the quote unquote golden age of the Simpsons and cutting it off. Um, at around season 10, but, you know, there is this sort of, like, loss by comparison that happens with these later seasons of, you know, this episode is not a bad episode of television by any stretch, but I think that, you know, the loss by comparison is that it's just beating to a different rhythm than the previous episodes that we're a little bit more accustomed to. and, And those were the episodes that made us fall in love with this show. And I've always said that it is a tall Fucking order to write an episode of The Simpsons or write an episode of television for anything that's lasted. 14 seasons yeah. at this point it's it's so rough just to write for a season 2 yeah. episode of something as you've known yes. with Big yeah, Mouth yeah. Um, because you're just I feel you pitch out stuff and are just given a litany of reasons why they can't do that or why they shot it down and, and in a meeting that you weren't a part of so there's that element to it but then I also think that you know with these later episodes of The Simpsons what can you do in a 14 season of a show you go to episodes that highlight side characters that explore stories that you haven't explored with them yet. And so because of that, by default, you don't have an episode that has the family front and center. And that's part of the reason why I think it feels off. And But then also, you know, you're bringing in pop culture stuff too of that time maybe, leaning but on w- a little too hard.
2: I get, but I think actually the two jokes that I loved the most that made me laugh and howl were nothing to do with the family. Like I did not... I, I it's shocking to me that this show is so focused around Homer, a character that yeah. I have never found funny and I found deeply unfunny in this. I guess I just didn't like the joke, the the one joke I think that he gets really uh late in the game is uh, dropping the nachos and then looking back yes, at it yes, is yes. like and I I'm clearly probably not the target for that kind of joke, but I was just like, "Oh, this is the show is about this character and this Joke does not do anything for me. And so I was like, do I even want to watch an episode? That is focused around the family. And then I had to remember March and stuff like that. (laughs) Well,
1: does it kind of go back to what we were saying earlier of, you know, Ali, you mentioned that Futurama was, you know, really killing it around this time and and other shows like Family Guy were happening. Is it going back to kind of what we were talking about with American Dad where, you know, The Simpsons is sort of taking the place of it being that Family Guy in the spotlight? So they have to be a little bit more careful with the kind of jokes and stories that they explore. But Futurama is like the brand new kid on the block and is able. Able to kind of be like, "eh, fuck it." The expectations are just so different for yeah. it. Yeah, maybe it's suffering from that a little bit.
2: But and it was also, and I, I wonder. I guess I'm still susceptible to a cutaway joke, mm-hmm. which is, I, I, I have to imagine. Sort of new. I I don't know how, I don't remember how much The Simpsons used it as a crutch. I mean, clearly Family Guy has sort of used it uh, and abused it in a huge way.
1: I would say that Family Guy, and we explored this with our talk with Al Jean, he came on and we talked about The Critic with us, um, that Family Guy stole it from The Critic. Okay, we we determined a little bit
2: because the non sequiturs really got me in a big way like uh-huh. the share joke in this episode the share joke
1: was amazing made
2: me scream um yeah it felt for me in and a huge way and the question
1: of the one reporter gets one I, question was so great
2: it really dated it dated it in such an outrageous way because it was yeah. do you know that your daughter is gay <laughs> and
1: it just, I, I, I laughed at that one because unpacking it is hilarious. Yeah, it's just, just like, like, oh, wow, well, that, that really is puts you That is the question, back. not within the context of the world of The Simpsons, but the context of the writer's room of The Simpsons going, that's the one everyone yeah. said yes is <laughs> the only question. Amazing. I thought that the confidence in that made it even funnier.
2: And I, and the other sort of non sequitur joke that I think is brilliant and uh, it's the fucking Bridget Jones Diary. That was great joke. Yeah. Um, and then the callback is both so funny to me mm-hmm. of just seeing the Benny, her running around. Outside. Yeah, the, even just thinking about it makes the fun.
1: nuance and subtlety of British humor. Is yeah,
0: right? uh, let's take a second to think about uh, the subtle nuance of British humor during this break.
2: Hello, are you looking for a new comedy podcast? In which case, can I draw your attention to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast? It's a fictional industry podcast for the Beef and Dairy Industries. It won Best Comedy at the 2017 British Podcast Awards and it features wonderful guests such as Greg Davis. To my knowledge, it's the only cow circus that's
1: ever existed in this country. In rural Russia, every small town has a cow circus.
2: Josie Long.
1: You should have a beef. Have a beef with them. I have a beef with you. I will have a beef with you. Come round my house and I'll have a beef with you.
2: And Andy
0: Daly. That virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was
2: all an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I would recommend starting at episode one. Bye. (laughs)
0: And we're back. What a great break. That uh, that definitely is my favorite joke or like gag in the whole episode. Yeah. Um
2: And they got her too. I noticed that in the credits that they actually got the real Helen author. Fielding. Or Fielding. Yeah. Helen Fielding, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: did
1: like the line that teed that up at the book club. Um <laughs> the like why don't we all analyze why we didn't read the book <laughs> as somebody who has hosted many book clubs <laughs> and i think i'm officially done hosting book clubs um that is just The usual case, and then you drink. I've
0: been on every email. Yes, you have been on every email, and you
1: have not responded. But you are just such a great listener. You are such a great participant in the shadows. I
0: like to know when you're having them.
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciate you. Uh,
0: So uh, there were some jokes in here that really did make me laugh. One that was just kind of odd is when Ned realizes that he's dating a movie star Mm -hmm. when he sees the poster. And says that loud to himself, just like, I'm dating a superstar, and then this police officer character we've never seen that has a very insane yes. absurd accent.
1: Irish policeman. Yeah,
0: just in a very like absurdly Irish accent just Is says Is there like,
2: another Irish sure. character or Scottish character there's
1: on this a, show? Yeah, there's a Scottish keeper, Willie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he says, Sure you do, and I'm going apple picking with Scooby Doo and wait, like, wait, Hoit 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 <laughs> I, they, I'm hoping, are referencing something because
0: otherwise. Is that, that have, from Notting Hill? I haven't seen it. Maybe, <laughs> that oh, like maybe that's <laughs> why
2: they made him Brit it or from the. You know, I don't the remember
0: that from oh. the
1: 27 different Notting Hill viewings I've <laughs> Neither been do forced I, to participate in.
2: There has to be an answer to it because <laughs> I, I be. got him confused. Brian, with the other tell
1: Spanish. us. <laughs> I did enjoy Homer inhaling a caterpillar and exhaling it to be a butterfly. That was, that was an, a nice very subtle
2: moment.
0: Fun. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I like there are little moments of Homer that were kind of funny just in terms of um, Lisa saying like oh Sarah Sloan is dating Mr. Flanders and then Homer saying who the hell is Mr. Flanders oh right Flanders that's fun just little nods to kind of like who they are but yeah I agree and so the the joke that you mentioned earlier about Basically, there's this moment, if you haven't seen this episode, where Homer is so distracted by the revealing dress that Sarah Sloan, Marisa Tomei's character, is wearing that he's, he, like, spills his nachos and is having kind of that same Family Guy joke of him grabbing his knee for too yeah. long. Yeah, mm. the rule of sevens. Yeah, and so basically it's just, well, and of course the original version of that is Saito Bob hitting himself with a rake again yeah. and again and again. That is absolutely where Family Guy... No, I'm not going to say stole, but it's that's the same joke, and they, they went apple to, picking. They have to do it first. It. Yes. Yeah, that, that that's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm sure. well, I'm not sure, but I was going to say maybe the Flintstones did it. But <laughs> <laughs> you're too kind, my dear Allie, Too kind. <laughs> but basically, there's this moment where he's like looking disappointed and making like a like oh about his nachos, and then Ugh, like like yeah. a very satisfied like. I didn't do it right but like he's looking at her boobs pretty much but basically uh, I call it the
1: rule of sevens I feel like I'm not the only one but like it basically is a boomerang joke where it starts off funny and then it in the middle goes unfunny and then comes back around yes, and it's, it's funny again. it's a Kristen
2: Schaal is a horse uh, sort yeah, of gag. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, where it's like, I can't believe this is still happening, mm-hmm. you know. And I think at the Family Guy uh, headquarters, they call it uh, taking our damn time, you know, when they do that stretch out.
0: Yeah, but so, so something about that joke, in addition to it having the format of something that we've seen in other places and maybe you do like that joke or maybe you don't like that joke, uh, it goes against who Homer has made himself to be. Be in this entire show. Something we talk about um, is how Marge is, when Marge is horny, it is something that is exciting and it actually makes her a more complete full character. She's not just this, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being a housewife, but she's not just that. Right. She has a, an entire identity. She's not reactive. Right. Yeah. And she's in control. she It's actually empowering when she's horny. And then Homer for the most part, really isn't a horny guy. We've talked about this before, too. Really? No. And, like, he's not. That's what family guy is to me. Like, Peter is someone who would do that. Homer is really more of just, like, he cares more about food and beer. And, you know, that's kind of, Well, because he he doesn't instigate horniness. That's
1: sort of where I think that the line is drawn. Like, of course, when um, Marge, like, you know, puts a very seductive finger on him, he's like, all right he loves
0: his wife he's always been a very monogamous person so when there are episodes when a love interest possibility comes along there really is like a huge level of drama in terms of like oh my god like Homer loves Marge Mm -hmm. and here's suddenly this woman who shares so many more things in common with him this is suddenly like a huge like scary tension
2: that sounds much more like Bob's Burgers than Family Guy in a way that I've never framed the Simpsons in my brain and from what I remember or what I've mm-hmm. absorbed of it from just being in pop, you it's know, It's so existing interesting. In pop I mean, well,
1: all of those primetime animated shows are kind of students of each other and I feel like it's not a straight line of Simpsons taught, Family Guy taught, Bob's Burgers taught, and so on taught Big Mouth, but that, especially now, given that Simpsons is still alive and kicking, Family Guy's still alive and kicking, Bob's Burgers, they're kind of like you more unilateral, like bouncing off of each other and sort of helping each other you know develop what their specific POV is going to be with that and I do love the Bob's Burgers like grounded family at its It's core. It's the best family
2: comedy on television right now. Yeah it's
1: great.
0: I love and made it. Yeah, Animated or otherwise, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that show, the thing that, uh, the thing that makes it so good in addition to just having tons of funny, great jokes and interesting plots and looking cool, has all those things going for it, is that it is about the family. Like, that show is about the family. It's the same way that The Simpsons is and has been in the past, where you get to explore Lisa's stories and Bart's stories and each character's individual things, um, but you know how it's going to be affecting each other. If Bart... If Bart's main story is stealing something, you know how Marge is going to be affected mm-hmm. by that and right. how a whole chain is going to react. And there is a disjointed quality to this that makes it an interesting and difficult episode maybe to break down. However, one of my favorite episodes is A Fish Called Selma, which is completely almost devoid of the Simpsons family. Like, it barely has them. Mm-hmm. And it's just this love story between two people, which is kind of what this is. But you feel them love each other. At yeah. this episode, at the end of it... They have a decision to make that she's going to apparently marry him um, and move to Springfield or he's going to move to Hollywood. And they say, you know, that they love each other. And in my eyes, they'd only been dating for a day. Yeah. And she seems vapid as That's hell. That's the
2: pacing of yeah. it is, I think, what I struggled with the most is yeah. that I didn't I think they they sort of had to serve as, Flanders, obviously, because he's a character that is reoccurring on the show. And, like, it wouldn't make sense to, to you know, unbalance it towards her. But, like, it just happened. I didn't get her
1: yeah, at yeah. all. Like I, didn't- I was never on her side. Yeah, and I agree. I, I never fully understood what her POV was. Um, and I think partially due to the voice acting and it being this, like, sort of lighter, ditzier celebrity, it's different than Notting Hill in that Notting Hill has Julia Roberts sort of, like, being, you just see her, her charisma is sort of informing us being on her side, and maybe a little bit of her history as a celebrity, so you can kind of go, Oh, I understand that she's going to be the heroine that we root for, but this is somebody that I don't even know. And, you know, with all apologies to Mercer Tomei, like that, I felt like the voice acting wasn't as evolved as I would have liked Mm-mm. it to be for me to be on her side. Um, I kept waiting for her to be using Flanders in some way, you know, other than her reasoning that he is unlike anyone that she's ever. Ever met yeah. in Hollywood? It just wasn't enough for me. Because
2: the and then because it was confusing. I was like, "Is it the Christianity that is appealing to her on any level too? Is that she didn't so,
1: comment on that? Yeah,
2: and that's what was weird about it. Like she like when the kids, which I do like, when they were like, he's she swore. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, they were, and, it was
1: a fun Rod and Todd episode.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. It was great for the. I also loved in the dream sequence when they screamed, and we're Jews! I know. And um, we're
1: movie producers. Um, yeah. It was great. It
2: was. Yeah. It was just a, a confusing sort of shift mm-hmm. that I didn't understand to when she was suddenly unhappy.
1: Right. And I, I wonder if, you know, some of the examples that we've been kicking around of Homer um, and Mindy Simmons... Um, which uh was his big temptation episode earlier in the Simpsons run and then um you know a, a fish called Selma which is not a temptation episode but it has a little bit more whole emotional stakes of who they feel uh, obliged to in in whatever that episode's goal is, Um, they are concrete characters that we can kind of look and see and feel emotions toward. I feel like the only parallel that we can draw from this episode to that is that um, Flanders is feeling like, emotionally obliged to God, yeah. which is not a concrete character <laughs> that we can compelling. look at and go, yeah. oh, wow, because it's otherwise his um, you know, dead wife's memory, which I don't feel is filling that slot either. So it's it's just really, it's one-sided. We don't know her.
0: We don't really care about her. They really don't care about her because there's a moment when he, when Ned, who's a beloved character, truly a, a very interesting and good person, is... Um, he is shopping and saying how nice it is to shop with uh, a woman again and that the last item he's bought was a casket but he says it as such a throwaway that if he had done like a nervous laugh or something after we'd know like okay he's joking through the pain but instead it was just like damn (laughs) and she doesn't truly react in the way that gives
1: it yeah the (laughs) reverence it deserves
0: she never says like you have a dead
1: wife. That's fucked
2: up. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: I I feel like that's emotionally where the episode perhaps should have gone a little bit more of her. Then maybe we could have seen her as being a whole character of like, I really like you, Ned, but you have a dead wife and I feel weird kind of filling that spot. And maybe I don't know, it could be off-tone for The Simpsons, of what they were going for, especially around this um, part of the show's run. But it's something that they have to overcome together to figure out, all right, yeah. well, how do we proceed as a couple?
2: Or honestly, if they had made the decision that she is, like, at her core, a wholesome Christian person and had sort of, like, been in Hollywood and, you know, like, given right. that aspect and, like...
1: And it would have been funny if that was her deepest, darkest secret that she had to hide. Yeah. Kind of like if you watched Silicon Valley in the last season, there was a really great, I want to say 80 Miles was guest starring on it. And um, he had to hide that he was a Christian, um, <laughs> you know, because otherwise, uh, he was gay and a Christian. And um, Thomas Middleditch's character thought that he was ashamed of being gay, but really he was ashamed of being Christian, Christian because yeah. people have a reaction, especially mm-hmm. now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. I think that there's just like a weird conceit um, Census of people thinking that we're all atheists out here which mostly we are but you know atheists like or jewish atheists are jewish yeah and then when you like i remember somebody mentioning like oh yeah this person they're really christian like yeah. almost as a weird warning which is <laughs> completely inappropriate
2: I i think that would have been so much more interesting and like yeah. and then even so much more of a betrayal if she got him to you know Uh, succumbed to temptation at the end because that also felt very quick and like sort of tacked on at the end like oh she's horny yeah
1: yeah and i think that also added to her flatness of like she just lecherously jumping on ned and kind of not taking no for an answer i just never truly understood her if now we're rewriting the episode if it was about her being christian and being so attracted to this other wholesome christian man having that like oh no i've corrupted him emotional conflict would have made it completely yeah. different
2: because at this at the way the episode ends her choosing to go back to hollywood is a foregone conclusion like we yeah. know pretty much that that's going to happen and if there had been a little bit more conflict on her side then it might have been a little bit more of an interesting to watch. I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah. know what any of this has to do with the comedy of the episode. <laughs> I don't know, don't know if it would. Don't know if it would have been funnier or less funny. Um, I think it still would have
1: been funny because it would have been. Here's what I'm pitching: a tearful goodbye. Oh. Um, they have their moment, and we have that beautiful Alf Clausen like music swells. You know the one. Um, same one that he used for when Homer said goodbye to the spirit of his dead mom, mm-hmm. um, and she leaves, and then here we go. Oh, the callback to the Benny Hill Helen Fielding yes, thing, that and that great. could be its l- little bow. And I think that that would actually make the Helen Fielding Benny Hill stuff funnier.
2: I do. I will say the Bob Balaban joke.
1: Bob oh, Balibin. Bob Balaban Gos- was Gosford great. Park heartthrob <laughs> Bob <laughs> Balaban
2: was a great. He joke was one to of the that. first.
1: Um, because I used to intern in development, he was like one of the first like celebrity people <laughs> that came into the <laughs> office, and I remember like, turning to the other interns, "Do you know
0: what that is?" Seen all those Christopher Guest movies. Ah, yeah. uh, So, speaking of tearful goodbyes, uh, it is about that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, we've had some lessons about kind of this episode as a whole and given some insight on why this episode didn't necessarily work for us and um, kind of like given some uh, ideas of like, okay, the things that you don't like about this episode, those problems don't really exist Mm. in the episodes that we think you would like. so listeners, give a list of suggestions of your favorite episodes uh for uh for us to suggest here. I, I think there are so many good ones, but if there's a, a lesson from this conversation or the episode itself, um what could we leave on
2: give Marissa Tome meteor <laughs> roles.
0: Give- all of the rolls to Marissa Tomei. Hashtag Meaty Marissa.
1: <laughs> I'm going to open up a Rainforest Cafe next to the downtown Disney location, and I'm going to add Meaty Marissa to the menu. How Please. about that? I love That's my lesson from today.
0: Well, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's honestly a, a rare treat to kind of be honest about an episode that I was a little bit worried about trying to find all my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't really good, funny things in here when I watched. There were definitely some things, but um, it was kind of nice to just be able to to kind of break down the episode in a, in a not judgmental, but a critical lens. Yeah. And because, you know, obviously you are coming from a, a very esteemed place of comedy writing and like really get it. And it's nice to talk about it in that way more than just like you're a super fan who they could do no wrong. So thank you for giving us that perspective. I think it was super interesting. Well,
2: and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, to everyone no. who wanted me to love it, but I will go back. I'm going to look at the first ten seasons. Go, and yes. go four I'm gonna look eight. at that list Three and and yeah. and yeah and dive back in a little bit. I think I've been um, inspired,
0: and you could yeah. also learn more about the Simpsons in our book, which is available right now. Whoa! One hundred things Simpsons, the Simpsons fans should know no. and do before they die. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fla- seamless, <laughs> flawless. Uh, flawless. But b- before people run out to their nearest Barnes and Noble, uh, where can people find your stuff?
2: You can find me on social media at I Hate Joel Kim. Um, I have, um, you know, uh, I I usually put up my tour dates and stuff like that. I'm on the road a lot this fall. Paul and I have a, a Comedy Central digital show coming out with Patty Harrison called Ooh. "Unsend." Um, a, a real uh, she should get her on this show. She oh, would yeah? be uh, a real gem, I think, a real find. Cool. Um, so yeah, Bianca nice. got
0: great. Well, thank you
2: so thank much. Thank you, guys.
0: And Julia, where can people find you? Aw, oh, thanks so much for asking. Uh, you can find me at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gerst and all the things. Uh, we are on Simpsons Pod, and you can yeah, email buy us. Buy our book. Buy our book. Email us. Come see us um, do live shows in Denver
1: and um, Portland, Oregon uh, in December, and we will... Uh, be talking more about that as the the dates loom closer. Um, Everything's Coming Up Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. Our show is engineered and edited by Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Smell you later.
2: Maximumfun.org.
1: Comedy and culture.
2: Artist owned. Listener supported.